Welcome to Being 11. My name's Amanda Marsh and I'm inviting you to take a journey with everyday people as they recall their pre-teen years, sharing the good, the bad and the cringeworthy. Sofro Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we record, the Wajak Noongar, paying respect to elders past, present and future. Welcome, Deb, to Being 11. Can you tell us what year it was that you turned 11? Right. It was 1981, November in particular, but I was mainly 11, majority of 1982. Hmm. So what year will you be talking about with us today? What, what one do you think is more relevant? 81 or 82? I'd say probably more 82. Okay, yeah. so 1982 listeners is what we'll be discussing today with Deb. Let's start with you describing the environment in which 11-year-old Deb inhabited. Okay, so 1982, did move around a lot. So we come back from up north. Up north being? Tom Price. Tom Price, okay. Dad was up there. Then we went to the UK for a little while and then came back. We were in Rockingham. I was attending Bungaree Primary School. It sounds a little bit more exotic than it was, but it was in sort of like the new estate part of Rockingham that ran by a creek. Well, it wasn't a creek. It was actually a drain, but we called it the creek. It was, there was a lot of English people. A lot of Scottish people, a lot of Irish people growing up there. And at the time, I remember, there was a lot of, I suppose there was a lot of um, street gangs as well, like a lot of mods and, and, and skinheads and not so much punks, but there was a lot of that sort of sense of kind of a little bit of, you'd walk past these sort of parkered, you know, khaki parkered sort of youth by the creek, sitting on like a big drain pipe, being a bit ominous and you'd be sort of like, you know, scurrying to school, sort of thinking you were going to get knifed or something. <laughs> they were probably completely oblivious to my existence. But, um, yeah, it was an interesting place because being seaside, coastal, you had that real kind of surfy kind of vibe and culture about it. But then you had all these English people that were plonked there in the kind of 60s and, and mods 70s. and skinheads. Yeah. What a weird combination. It was a really interesting little kind of cultural hot pot, really. Yeah. And did people and get along? I don't think they did. No. So you had those little subculture groups and you also had bogans as well. Which is what most people would associate Rockingham with, exactly. certainly these days. So, exactly. like, as soon as you said mods and skinheads, it was it, mind-blowing. It was a big thing. And then so you'd have a little bit of friction between the bogans and then and then the mods and the skinheads, but also you had that sort of surfy yeah. group. Well, we used to call them surfies yeah. culture as well. So there was all these different little groups. So... I had this frizzy mess of mousy brown hair and my mum refused to let me dye it. So I was just trying to, I think, I, I think on one occasion I actually put yoghurt in my hair because I'd heard you could straighten it if you left yoghurt in for a few hours and washed it out. You'd have this beautifully silken straight hair. And I don't, I don't know if it was in Dolly magazine, but I, saw, I have no idea where I saw this 
I did have beautifully silken hair, but it stunk to Because <laughs> I was covered <laughs> But I looked okay for a night. Anyway, let's, let's segueing on to my next question. What were you wearing? We've discovered that you had yogurt in your hair. What was, what was the rest of the outfit? 1982. Oh, and let's just say I really wasn't, because I wasn't, I wasn't really cool. I don't think many people, many no people. No one's cool, cool when they're in primary school. You know, you're, you're in that awkward adolescent phase where, you know, you might have a few hormones kicking in, but nothing to any great, nothing that's going to, it's just going to make you look even more awkward. I think um, I was probably just into functional clothes, shorts, T-shirts, thongs. Back in the day, I went to a public school, so we were allowed to wear thongs to school, which I'm sure contributes to this day to my my, my kind of need for orthotics because <laughs> I was allowed to wear thongs at school. Um, so I think it was just functional, yeah, really functional clothes and, and maybe – starting to kind of, as, you know, the hormones were kicking in, starting to get a little bit more aware of being a girl. So for many years prior to that, I was pretty much a tomboy. Yeah. You know, I wasn't a lot of dark jeans and and probably the fit was very, very slim. I think the flares had kind of... They'd moved on already. Yeah. Yeah. And the corduroy, I remember. Like I don't, I never had them, yeah. but I seen photos of my brothers wearing corduroy. Levi's, but but back then Levi's were a very very sought after commodity. Yeah. It was really expensive. Yeah, all those labels were, you know, you had to save up for them. So I don't yeah. think I had a pair of Levi's till I was later teens. So you were tomboy tight. Jeans, t-shirt, tomboy, thongs. probably shirts. Probably like you know, if anything, maybe some. Pedal pushes? I don't know, but pretty daggy. <laughs> pretty daggy. Well, that's 11, you isn't know, it? Everyone's daggy with daggy. their 11. Maybe a life, no, that might have been a bit early, but life be in it shirt. A um, cream and brown piped life be in it singlet, which I was very proud of. Oh, Terry Towling was a thing. I do remember. I just come in. It's kind of carried on from the 70s, but I remember I had a Terry Towling. Oh, not quite lime green skirt. It was an unusual green um, skirt, long, with cherries on it. Oh, and that sounds pretty groovy. Yeah. A wraparound. A wraparound terry towelling, green with cherries on it. Oh, my God. How cool would that be in Frio I, now? I could see some hippie walking down <laughs> South Terrace in that tomorrow. Sure. You know, if you've got a bit, you know, you went to the beach, you could use it Yeah, it's perfect. Brilliant. Functional fabrics. They were Rockingham. They knew what they were doing. Picture yourself still wearing that stuff, your statement skirt and your life be in a shirt. What were you listening to or reading or watching? Right. So I remember I was probably going into year seven, but I had a – can I talk about my year six teacher? Because I was obviously, you know, it was not anyone, but he was just – he had a bit of an impact on my taste in music. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, my year seven teacher didn't, but he was amazing. So he was a, a graduate teacher, Mr. Channing, his name was, and he he had this egalitarian classroom. So he came in with all these wonderful, you know, new graduate teacher ideas of how he was going to run the class and 
it was going to be fair and student-centered approach and all that sort of stuff. I love it. Green teacher. Came in and he was lots of lovely, gentle human being. And really, it probably we, we probably weren't the best class for his first class because we were any angle that we could, you know, skive off or get out of doing work or do anything. So a lot of the time we actually went on strike. We, we just refused to work, so we didn't want to do something, and he just didn't know how to navigate it, so we'd actually just... So he developed all these rich tasks for you, and yes. you just went, yeah, nah. No, we're going to go on strike now, because <laughs> it's almost like we had a union in the classroom. It was just he... he, he, he yeah, I look, kudos to him, because honestly, if I was going to model myself on a teacher, and if I ever did, it was him. And he, the cool thing about him... What was his name? Mr Channing. Mr Channing. Mark If you Channing. happen to listen to this, there's an endorsement for the 20-odd years of grief you probably had. Yes. You were Deb says ever. you were all right. Awesome. And the great thing he did in terms of how he impacted, I suppose, my ideas of, of, of just my thoughts on music. I always loved music. Music was a massive part of my life. But at the back of the classroom, on the on the kind of the pinboardy thing, he put the printed out lyrics of all the, the the hit songs that were around. So I still remember to this day, he had a printout of the words for um, Titus High from Blondie. Oh, and classic! Some, and Adam and the Ants song as well. Huh. And it was all the lyrics. So we go in. You know, every week he'd put a new one and we'd go and see which what was the song with all the lyrics and we'd learn the lyrics. But And I just thought that one thing has just stayed in yeah. my mind as being just the most wonderful, thoughtful thing because he tuned into yeah. what we wanted and he wasn't like all the other teachers. Did you collect anything? I think in that time period it was Smurfs because at the local BP... You could actually get, if you spent so much on petrol, you could get, pay a, you know, 20 cents or whatever it was and collect a Smurf. Oh, I just remembered a movie that came out. Yeah. It was quite a landmark movie for yeah. a lot of kids at that time, E.T. Yeah. E. But it was, like, it was a major movie. It was huge. And it had such, it left such an imprint on, I think just in terms of filmmaking and yeah. opening Tapping into kids, that yeah. sort of like kid market of um, children's market of, of movies, and it became yeah. such a big thing. Then it just all seemed to take off after yeah. that. Because before that, it was really just the, the adult spectrum. I mean, there's a few kid movies, but this was big. Yeah, I mean, the it, merchandising it, really, that it, it brought well. it actually it brought in an era of movies centered around the world of children. It did. Yeah, that that's was right. the first one. You're quite right. It was, and there was this sense of awe about what they were experiencing and what, and what they were learning about the world that they live in, that it was bigger than themselves and yet yes. their relationships with each other and and with adults and systems and, and it was, yeah, it was an extraordinary film. There's a lot to that movie. It is huge. Even watching it now, it's, it's quite engaging. Mm, very. Through adult eyes, it's a bit different, but fantastic movie. And... That's, I think, when it first started with the whole merchandise. Yeah, everyone year. wanted an E.T. E.T. toy. <laughs> yeah, all vinyl squishy. Yeah, things. that's them. Yeah, I, mean, I never had one of them either. Yeah. I think most people did. It was just a universally liked film. It was. I don't I know anyone who didn't like that film. Okay, so 
we've heard about ET. We've heard about mods and what was the other thing? The skinheads. Skinheads, yep. Beyond beyond that little Rockingham world, like what what was what was happening in the world that you became aware of? Oh, I think for the things that I remember the most, because obviously you're just in your own bubble at that age, but I do remember seeing a lot of footage at the time on, on, on the news. And, you know, back then watching TV, it was very much, you know, you didn't have your own TV in your room. You sat with your, your family, you know, in my case my mum and dad, and you had to sit and watch the news and you had to watch their, you know, quite adult programs sometimes too, you know, just the, the content and the, the comedy. Um, and I remember watching the news and um, there was such a big thing about the Azaria Chamberlain. Oh, was that 1982? It was kind of over that period. I think 81, 82, the trial was all coming up. It was enormous. It was massive. And, you know, so much so that because everybody was doing the same thing, we were all watching the news with mm. our families and just seeing you know back then I remember the perception I had of of Lindy Chamberlain at the time trying to make sense of and listening to my parents perception and which was most of Australia's perception wow she just looks she's you know she looks so cold she looks evil you know she she's guilty you know Mm. and and that they you know that there was so much focus. The media, absolutely, as we know, yeah. as it all unfolded, it manipulated the yeah. the bejeebies out of it, and it was it was a big it was a big thing for them mm. to 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 um, engage us in in watching and, and just this big saga unfold, and and they blood literally was on their hands in yeah. what they did to that family. It's just horrendous. But I remember believing that she was guilty, and then years later, you know. Finding out yeah. that you know she she wasn't. You yeah, know, you look at it now from 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 the perspective we're in now, and you think, my goodness me, we were just all sucked in, and yeah. but it was big, and it was we, people were talking about it at school. Yeah, you know, I remember school. You know yeah. that whole oh, did you hear about that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah she's going. Kind of, yeah, it, it was massive. The other thing, but I think this was more a little bit early, not necessarily yeah. actually. I think it was more eighty one. Was. Big memory, not that I was a big royalist, but I do remember Princess Di and the wedding, marrying Prince Charles, and it was this massive thing. Mm-hmm. And it became, it was just like, oh, my goodness, everybody just loved Lady Di. Um, and I think I did actually, even though I was a tomboy, when I went back to the UK for my brother's wedding in late 81, so I was 11 then, um, we had a winter wedding and I needed a hairdo. So I remember sitting at the hairdressers and saying, I think Lady Di and Charles got married in, earlier in the year. And they said, oh, I'll have a Lady Di do, thanks. So I my haircut, I have a pitch to this <laughs> Lady Di haircut. Oh, I could just die at the thought that I would oh, ask that. Wow. But, I, you know, it was just like I just wanted yeah, you like wanted her. the Lady Di. Yeah, that's how impressionable <gasps> we all were back then. I was really cool, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I was littler than you, and I, I just we didn't have a TV back then. We listened to that wedding on the radio, but even despite not having a TV, I remember an obsession not not so much with her hair because I was too little to really notice that. 
But I remember so many conversations about her, her dress yes. and the trail. And I have no idea why I was too little. And to this day, I'm not interested enough to find out what it was that everyone said. But I just remember distinctly the conversations about particularly her wedding trail. I mean, was it longer than normal? What, was it, it made out of it, something? What was that about? Was, Do you remember? It was. And I, I, I even remember. I mean, I, I obviously saw the, the ceremony on, on TV, but... I remember there was so much fuss over this dress. Yeah. This big, long drain, whatever it was, you know, just massive and 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 just all the pressure. And, but we didn't know, you know, I was looking at it now, you know what was going on all during that time with that whole family and yeah. her. And I can't even imagine how much pressure. But at the time we were swept away in the... the, the glamour of it. It was, yeah. a, it was a fantasy world, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Into that. Sweet or savoury? Which were you? Oh, oh, that's a tricky one. Always had a sweet tooth. Always had a sweet tooth. But I suppose being English, you know, I really enjoyed like you know my my dinners. Like you know, meal time was quite a, a big thing in terms of we'd have really comforting food. So it'd be like you always have a really nice stew. And, um, and and mum and dad coming over here from the UK, meat was quite expensive. Like, like, more, more so in regards to like steak. A, a good steak was expensive in the UK. So when they came here, we just have steak twice a week at least, you know, a big porterhouse steak or something. Oh, couldn't really do that now. Spoiled. <laughs> Absolutely spoiled. Or, or like, no, it was actually T-bone. I think it was T-bone and mum. Yeah. Um, porterhouse might be a little bit too luxurious for our, for our budget back then. <laughs> but it was quite cheap. Back then. So we had a lot of meat and you know, being a kind of semi flexitarian vegetarian person I am now, I, I mean it's kind of yeah, it's quite different to how you know how I you know how I how I am now, but really it's just what we had and I actually really enjoyed it. I look forward to dinners, you know. Not eating Brussels sprouts though. I I had I drew the line at the Brussels sprouts. Yes, I remember having to sit there at the table and finish my Brussels sprouts, but um, because they were cooked to an inch of their life. Yeah, you know, being English, well, it was yeah, boiled. being but pressure cooker, was yeah, a pressure cooker on the stove. Um, so savoury, I suppose, but we always, funnily enough, might be an English thing too. We always had sweets. We always had a dessert, which was always probably more of an Aussie yeah. kind of hybrid thing coming here was ice cream and tin fruit. Ah, yes. The old tin fruit. I don't know why we didn't have fresh fruit, but tin fruit. <laughs> fruit yeah. salad, you know, um, pears. Um, Maybe it just keeps better. Apricots. When I you're a family. Was, yeah, I think it was. And That's my guess. Yeah. yeah, you can pop it in the cupboard. Yeah. So always ice cream and tin fruit. Huh. Yeah. So I don't know. I can't really say, you know, I'd say. Well, probably, at the age of 11. I'd say probably sweet knowing yeah that um you know if i could get my hands on it yeah yeah all right bag of lollies mixed lollies or something what are you picking oh gee um you can pick more than one thing if you can't choose but i know you're visualizing all of those options oh i'm gonna i probably always lean towards the chocolate side of things so Uh I'm thinking probably chocolate freckles. Oh, the old classic. Yeah, chocolate freckles or what else was coated in? Something coated in chocolate. It would be the old 
yeah, chocolate caramels or something, yeah, something like that, I would say. What would you go for? Well, I, I actually just, the question just fell into my head. Yeah, I've never yeah. given a moment's thought. And as you were talking, I'm like, well, what would I pick? And I, I can remember a couple of different things. I can't remember, I can visualise, I can't remember the names of some yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, because they did, they were, there was quite a big selection. Yeah, there was musk sticks and fags. Yes, and fags, which are yes. no longer called fags, of course. They're called fads now. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, so well, PC. So PC. <laughs> um, I remember there was red skins, also not PC. And I'd always get, like you, like a couple of the freckle things. And then I remembered milk buds. I used to get oh, the caramel yeah. milk buds. Right. Like yes. a combo. I'd get the chocolate, the caramel, and the whites. But I, I tended to drift towards the caramel. I forgot about the caramel. Yeah, mm. they were really nice, actually. Yeah. And they're kind of chocolatey. Yeah, not quite chocolate, but yeah. <laughs> so that was a thing for me. And I never got bullets. I hate, I'm, t- I'm, no, I'm not a fan. I'm not keen on the bullets. Yeah. I don't know who, who likes the chocolate. Lots of people. Lots of people love the bullets. But I wasn't well, the chicos, the chico. Yeah, things, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, coke bottles and milk bottles. Oh, oh yes. Well, now we're talking. Oh yeah. <laughs> can we go to the lolly shop now? <laughs> yeah, I want to go. Yeah, I need some lollies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Closing question. Yes. What could your eleven-year-old self teach you? It's maybe something that you've forgotten to do, forgotten how to do. You know, what, what, what is 11-year-old Deb doing that maybe she had it right and maybe you've lost touch with that thing? What's that? Yeah, yeah. What is that? I mean, the first thing that's come to mind, I think, is I remember, you know, that real that real um, sense of, you know, anything is possible. The, you know, I've got this life ahead of me and there was excitement to it. There was excitement to summer holidays. There was excitement to what was going to be happening at school. There was this real buzz about life and living and not knowing what really was going to be ahead. And not having to worry about that, you know, and I think, yeah, if, if I could sort of have that 11-year-old perspective, if, if, if she could give me that, where I could wake up and go, right, you know, I may be 51, but, wow, what can, I, what can we do today? You know, like to have that same joie de vivre that, children have and, and, and you lose it, you become jaded and you, as time goes on, yeah. the reality and the drudgery of life kicks yeah. in and I think to have that, yeah. if she could give me that or tell me to have it or do something, wave her magic wand, <laughs> that would be wonderful. That sounds pretty nice. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Being 11. If you liked what you've heard today, don't forget to like, subscribe, or visit our website at sofromedia.com to see what else we do. Until next time. This podcast includes music by Tristan Norton and Martin Kottmeyer.